Hi, parents. It's Robin McMahon here. Thank you for listening to Parenting Our Future, which is in the top 0.5% of all podcasts worldwide. Before we dive into this episode, I want to invite you to join my membership site, The Parent Toolbox. You can join this membership for free. It's at www.parent-toolbox.com. And this is the companion site to my show, Parenting Our Future. In the Parent Toolbox, you will find game-changing tools and resources from both myself and my guest experts who are among some of the top minds in the parenting space. There are over 100 resources to help you navigate screen time, co-parenting, meltdown, teenagers, and so much more. Join today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. There are so many parents that I work with that have kids with ADHD and it's no joke. It is really difficult to parent a kid with ADHD and there's a lot of ups and downs and it can be just really hard on us. And so I have, I am welcoming back a guest and expert in ADHD, Donna Kay. She is a board certified holistic health and nutrition practitioner, two times international best-selling author and the CEO and founder of ADHD Thrive Institute, which I am a huge, huge fan of. As a mother of a child with ADHD, she knows firsthand the struggles that come with parenting a neurodiverse child and the freedom that is possible once parents learn to reduce ADHD symptoms. Donna has been featured in Forbes and Authority Magazine and on Medium, Influensive, Thrive Global, and various other online media. She has also been a guest at multiple parenting and ADHD summits and her podcasts. Her mission is to help families reduce ADHD symptoms naturally so that children with ADHD can thrive at home, at school, and in life. I'm so happy to have you here again as a mom with a kiddo who's got pretty serious ADHD. I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing and for being here again. Thank you so much, Robin. I'm so excited to be back and was really happy that you wanted to have me back on your podcast. I really, really did. And I just think, you know, the more we know, the better we are. And look, you, I, I, I want to provide solutions for people. Take it, mm. you know, I hope that they take it, take it or leave it. But like it's, it's here. And I, I'll tell you, as a parent of a child with ADHD, it just is, it's hard. And, um, if we can reduce those symptoms a little bit and, and look, if you, if you didn't listen to our last episode, we really talked a lot about diet and nutrition, uh, the relationship to the gut, gut brain and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you gave us some really great information on that. We have a guide for easy breakfast for kids with ADHD. Uh, we talked about reducing, uh, and eliminating foods like gluten, soy, and dairy. And so that episode, I'll put the link in the show notes. So, you know, which episode to go to for, for our previous conversation, but today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to kind of move on from the nutrition part. We're going to talk about technology and different things like that, but we're, we're going to start off by talking about inflammation and really inflammation is really the root of all disease. Is it not? Definitely. And I love this topic so much. Uh, I feel that, that, that inflammation is one of the biggest 
hidden stresses to our child's body, their brain, and is definitely exacerbating the ADHD symptoms. And so really, you know, we talked about a lot about diet and that is one way that you can reduce inflammation in the body. Mm. And so I really want to talk a lot today about things, other things that families can do, because it's not just about diet. Yes, diet is the foundation of everything. Uh, If you don't have a solid foundation, your house is not going to be very strong, same Mm. way with our body. But really chronic inflammation has become so prevalent over the years and it's linked to a number of diseases. As you said, it's not just ADHD. So if if, if mum at home has brain fog, if mum at home has anxiety, guess what? It's probably being driven and making worse by inflammation. Mm-hmm. You know, inflammation is essential in our body. It's, it's, it's responsible for healing, cr- um, you know, wound healing, getting better, but chronic inflammation can wreak havoc on our whole body. But, you know, the good news is there are ways to reduce that chronic inflammation by making lifestyle uh, changes. And the World Health Organization ranks chronic, uh, chronic inflammation as one of the top uh, causes of and contributors to disease today, which is wow. really, really, you know, shocking. Uh, so uh, when I think of inflammation, and I, I kind of like to use this analogy as uh, I talk about a bucket. I don't know if I mentioned it to you last yep. time. Do you remember? You did, and I think I think look, I'll just quickly go over it again yeah, because I, I think that very much it ties into moving on to the the other topics that we're going to talk about today, but. We're all born with a with a bucket, and the goal through life is to keep the load on the bucket as low as possible. Mm-hmm. And some of us are born with amazing genes, and so we can empty that bucket out really, really easy out of our body, whereas other people can't, and because they've got compromised detoxification pathways. And so what happens with those people is the load on that bucket, whether it be poor diet. Uh, We're going to talk about technology, uh, toxin exposure, EMF exposure, Mm -hmm. medication. That all gets higher and higher and higher. And if we can't empty our bucket out effectively out of our body, that's going to get so high, it's going to tip over into our body. And that's when symptoms and disease come out. And so we've talked about diet. That's one of the key ways to reduce inflammation or load on your bucket. Uh, But let's dive into a couple of other ones. And you mentioned technology. And I think, um, you know, technology uh, is is so prevalent today, especially with our kids. And, you know, there's there's no denying that, um, you know, we need technology in our life. You know, the, 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 the way that it's reached our children and the way it impacts our children, um, it does bring though a unique set of challenges. And I just want to list, I just want to list a couple of statistics on technology for you because I think it's really, really interesting to sort of look at how much it's how much it's grown. Cause I know as as children, uh I never had this much technology. I didn't have a phone. I, I didn't have access to. I think we had one of our first computers was a Commodore sixty four that was connected to the TV. I don't know if you remember that one of out course. there. Yeah. Look, I remember getting up and changing the channel on the TV. <sighs> oh, I, I do too. I remember our big box wooden television. My gosh, I love it. The memories, the memories, memories. Um, yes. but. Today, 96% of Americans have a TV, okay? 94% of children aged between the ages of 3 and 18 
have internet access either through a computer or a smartphone. Uh, uh, 30% of children in the United States play with mobile devices while still in diapers. 53% of children have a smartphone by the time they're 11. By the time they're 11. Whoa. Okay, so 94% of kids, and that makes sense, have access to the internet. 94% of kids in the U.S., yeah, so I'm looking at U.S. stats because that's where I live. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, your accent says otherwise, but we'll I know. I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then 30% of children are playing with mobile devices while in diapers. In other words, mm-hmm. they're babies, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then you said, what was the last stat that you just said? Uh, so, uh, 53% of children have a smartphone by the time they're 11. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, listen to this one, high school students spend eight to 11 hours each day with digital technology. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely can see that. Yeah. So look. Screens are part of our our kids' lives. And, look, in my opinion, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But if it's left unsupervised and unlimited, it can turn into a bad thing. And so it's it's really important uh, for parents to be mindful of how their children use technology and the potential effects, uh, both positive and negative. Yeah, and, and look, you know, technology is a part of the way we are moving through this world now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've always said that my youngest son has never seen a screen he didn't like. Like he, you know, grew up uh, in our family when we first got our first big screen TV, right? And it was before we mounted it on the wall. It was on a TV stand. So, you know, it was kind of close. It was sort of eye level, this giant screen. And like, he's never seen one he doesn't like. And I will say that one thing knowing now what I know, and it's changing every day, every minute is Mm -hmm. is to wait as long as humanly possible to get your kid a device, to give your kid a device. And so I am all about understanding the pros, understanding the cons Mm -hmm. and having solutions. And so that's what I like about what we're going to talk about. So let's just go into the cons. Let's do the cons first and then Mm -hmm. the pros. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I want our listeners to know that we're not just going to vilify it, you know, because that doesn't help anyone. It it doesn't help anyone. We just need to go in fully aware. And uh, look, I've had lots of episodes on technology and all that kind of stuff, but we're looking at this through the lens of an ADHD child. So, Mm -hmm. um, So keep that in mind as you listen on. So yeah, let's talk about the negative effects first. Yeah, look, it it can have that negative effect on our children, but if we're aware of them, we can be proactive about it. Uh, uh, you know, social skills, okay? With mm-hmm. the increased use of technology, children might not be sort of adequately developing their social skills. And kids with ADHD in particular are like two to three years behind their peers in social skills. So adding that layer to it, adding that technology to it can actually make it worse. And it can lead to children becoming like socially awkward or withdrawn, shy or intimidated by social situations. Uh, And, you know, they, they, they may not know how to sort of engage with other children or adults. And so it's really important that we help them develop those social skills because it takes practice. It's not just an instinctual thing. Uh, And, and if, if technology is getting in the way, 
it's, you know, presenting fewer of those opportunities for the kids to develop these skills and knowing that kids with ADHD are that far behind their peers, it's important we take that into consideration. And, well, you know. And, and you add on the pandemic and, and look, oh. we, we can't ignore that. We can't ignore that things have gotten a lot worse since and because of. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, like I know, even in my in my family during the pandemic, I'm a full time working mom. My husband's a full time working dad, even though we were at home. Uh, my kids, you know, they were obviously doing online school. But when I was working, what else was there to do with them but to put them on screens? And so, you know, they they lost a lot of that time, that ability and that that uh, opportunity to build those social skills. So it's important that, that we're aware of that. And that really does feed into relationships as well. Uh, relationships can suffer as a result of that technology. Um kids are alone when they're doing when they're doing technology mm-hmm. and then they they lose the desire to engage with us as parents or even their friends outside of the internet uh and you know there's this virtual reality that's going on um and so devices are actually sometimes more appealing or even entertaining than playing with their f- friends on the street because they're like wow I'm in this virtual reality and this is better than them riding a bike on the street, especially as you get older kids. I mean, my son's 13, my older son's 13 now. And the last thing he wants to do is like go out and play in the street. So, uh, you know, we, we have to be aware that the, the social skills then feed into those relationships. And, uh, we all know that relationships are critical to our, to our, our mood, our behavior, uh, and our wellbeing. So Mm -hmm. again, being, being aware of that now, you know, I talked a lot about um, uh, inflammation and and mm. one of uh, one of those those side effects or the negative uh, impacts, especially for our kids that are already compromised, mm. um, is is technology because it can really influence the child's developing brain and problem solving skills, which for most kids with ADHD is already you know, there's already a deficit there that we know of and the child might be relying on a device to solve problems for them rather than using the brain connections to work through the problem and find the solution. Uh, And so I think that it's really important to give them every opportunity to really activate that brain, activate that frontal lobe, that planning, that organizing, uh, problem solving. Um, and unfortunately technology hinders that. I know my son, my younger son, I heard him yesterday, actually, uh, he goes onto, onto his iPad and he presses the speak button rather than even typing, you know, the question into Google. He goes, what is, I can't even remember what he asked, but he doesn't even type it. He's yeah. like shortcutting everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, that's not the only sort of health problem relating to the brain that can come from it. Uh, you think about how much less exercise these kids are doing. Mm-hmm. Exercise is the number one best thing you can do for a kid with ADHD. Mm. Okay. It is so highly researched. It, you know, reduces inflammation in the body. It um it 
uh, burns off energy. It helps with detoxification. And so if our kids aren't exercising, uh, whether they have ADHD or not, all of these other health problems that could, uh, could come from it. Look, I mean, then we've got the blue light that comes from devices. I don't know if you or, or your listeners have, have heard of the, that blue light, but especially if the kids use that before bedtime, this can lead to sleep issues, mm. uh, sleep quality, uh, affecting their overall well-being and their immune system. Like you think about what our body has to do while we're asleep in renew, restore the cells in our body, detoxify if we're affecting sleep by the blue light from the technology, then our body's not able to do what it needs to do. Mm. And then finally, you know, before we uh, we, we go on, uh, I think this one really t- uh, ties in with ADHD, but it can affect the ability to focus. And so children who spend a lot of time on devices uh, uh, have been shown to have a reduced attention span and the ability to focus due to the reliance on technology to pay attention for them. Uh, This is evident not only in the classrooms uh, where teachers are seeing that shorter, you know, shorter uh, attention span. So they're opting for shorter lessons uh, to accommodate that. You you look at TikTok and and Instagram reels these days, it's literally flip, 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 flip. Uh, And that's, that's promoting that short attention span. And then kids with ADHD already have that short attention span. Why bring in something that can can actually make it worse? Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. I, I do notice my oldest who has ADHD, um, how, how it's hard to even have a conversation with him. I'm like, yeah. where do you have to go? What are you going to do, bud? Like, you got not, like school's over. It's home time now. You know, mm-hmm. you're not working like, can we just have a conversation? Like, you know, and it's really tough for him. So, okay. So negative, then we're going to move into positive. Negative is social skills, not developing. Um, and they're already two to three years behind peers. So this could make it even long. And I, and I see that I really do see that. Um, it influences the developing brain and impacts problem solving skills because that prefrontal cortex is the last part of the brain to, to grow and come online and then fully finish growing. Um, they're getting less exercise. And you said that's the number one best thing for kids with ADHD. I mean, exercise is so important in general. Uh, blue light creates sleep issues and overall well-being. Um, and then the ability to focus is reduced as well. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I look at, I look at uh, my, like my kids playing games online and I see it, I see it, how it's the perfect storm, how, mm-hmm. especially for boys, I'll speak just for, for my boys, no, nobody else's, but you know, it's, they are um, action orientated games that have a clear mission that are kind of sort of quick to, uh, to achieve. So they get mm-hmm. that sort of boost of, you know, dopamine, dopamine accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, they don't need to factor in the social stuff and they can, you know, if things get too tough, they can quit, they can leave, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mimic real life at all. Um, and it can be highly toxic. Like I hear the be. way sometimes my kids talk, I'm like, Whoa, mm-hmm. like, no, no, just cause yeah. they talk that way. Doesn't mean it's okay for you to talk that way, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. So I, I, I hear what you're saying and I see what you're saying in my own home. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I do too. And I do too. And yeah. look, you know, we, we can never blame ourselves as parents. This is the world that we live in today. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's just important to feed yourself with information and then you do what's best for your family. And yeah. so, uh, like I can tell you, there are days that my kids do spend too much time on, on technology yeah. devices and we pay for it later because they are less emotionally regulated. They're frustrated. And, uh, you know, the other thing that I didn't sort of even talk about, especially with my nine-year-old who's, who's younger, um, the dangers of browsing. You know, there's so much information available on the internet and sometimes it's really difficult for us to monitor what our kids are exposed to, just like you said with the language, okay, uh, or even inappropriate uh, interactions with other people. I know my oldest son, one of the games, he's, you know, a teenager now, one of the games he plays, he's talking to the people that they're playing with online and they're people that we don't even know. I know. Uh, and, and that in itself is a little bit scary. Yeah. Well, and, and look, we have, I, I have lots of episodes dedicated to, you know, online safety and, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff, because at the end of the day, the a device is a portal to predators, pornography, mm-hmm. and unfortunately a lot of bad stuff. And so we, yes. we just have to know that and address that with our eyes wide open and Mm -hmm. uh, lean on some of the experts that you know I've been able to to bring and other experts that are out there as well who who really research this and study this you know yes Um, definitely okay let's talk about the pros there's got to be some pros yes there are many ways that technology can positively impact our lives and those of our children and those with ADHD but you know it all depends on how it's being used. I mean, one of the biggest things that can help kids with ADHD and adults with ADHD and anyone without ADHD basically is organization because it can really be beneficial to organization and planning. And as we know, uh, you, you said that prefrontal cortex, the frontal lobe, that is compromised in people with ADHD. And so, uh, you know, uh, you can help with that by bringing on online calendars um, to make sure that uh, everything's easily to stay updated and everyone knows what everyone's doing at any particular time. Uh, Group text messaging is also really convenient for sort of streamlining communication and and keeping everyone in the look, uh, in the, in the loop, in the loop. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) In the loop. Um, uh, You know, things like budgeting for adults, things like that, that that can help with that. Uh, Teach children about money management uh, but also there's these organization apps now that you can put your child's morning routine on and it's like a game. It gamifies it where once they do it, they can click the button on the app and when they've done it, they get, they reach their goal. And so that's super, super amazing. The other thing which we didn't have was research. Um, the internet provides so much information and resources to help children learn about different topics. Mm. I remember having a bookcase in my house with encyclopedia books from like, it was, you know, my parent, it was like, it was the trophy of our house. If you had a complete encyclopedia set, you You were rich. Yes, you were. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Oh my God. I remember how like, like, having an encyclopedia salesperson come to our house 
sell my parents yes. on encyclopedias, Encyclopedia Britannica, and that, um, and like my parents were like, we're really investing in you and your sister. Yes. In your education. Yeah. I'm so I don't know where the encyclopedias are now. Oh my God. I, I have no idea, but, but ours were brown with gold writing oh. and, oh, they were beautiful and they smelt beautiful as well. <laughs> I just... I, it was, it was so cool. I know. Oh, let's reminisce some more about big oh. ugly TVs and encyclopedias. And there was like sets and sets of encyclopedias in our, in our high school library, because yes. we'd all go and, you know, you'd exactly. have to have more than, more than one. Yeah. But you think about that. We had the same set for so many years. I am sure there were up, there needed to be updates on the changes in the world to those encyclopedias, yes. but think about it now they can just go onto the internet and they can research a topic for school projects um, or researching areas that they find interesting um and it can also be like a teachable moment by showing children how to sift through information from reliable sources as well so you know there, there are definitely those positives you know when we bring it back to relationships and and things like that but technology can promote bonding and community as well it can foster connection by allowing kids to stay in touch with family members or friends that don't live close by mm. it actually helped with that building of that bonding in that community during COVID because uh, they were actually still able to connect. But over a screen, yes, it's not the best way to connect. However, it did help facilitate that. Uh, and I know when I walk into my son's room most of the days, I'm uh, I'm now in a room with 10 other kids on online yeah. and we've been talking and I've got to be careful. But it is amazing that even if they can't get out of the house, if it's yeah. raining, especially here in Seattle, and I'm sure where you are too, Robin, uh, that, you know, where uh, uh, the weather is not the nicest most of the year, except for in summer. Um, and so they are inside a lot, but that can really, you know, foster that bonding and that community, uh, yeah. which leads into their self-expression because, mm. You can learn how to share thoughts online. Um, it's a powerful tool to build confidence. Uh, they can learn how to, you know, connect with others and be exposed to, to other uh, viewpoints or perspectives. So even though we have those negatives, there are those positives, but, you know, it really is about uh, the balance. Uh, I think the biggest one is is really it allows them to be creative and explore their interests in many ways. And it, you know, it fosters so many different learning skills that we could never get as a, as a child um, with various apps at different ages. Um, they can even learn how to play an instrument. Uh, they can yeah. learn how to do creative writing or uh, art projects. Um, and so it does help foster that creativity. You can learn how to fix things. You know, I, I have a neighbor whose son was just looking at YouTube to fix his own car. He, you know, yeah. you know he's a teenager, he's 17. So yeah. And, and look, I think too, that this also has opened up a world of opportunities in terms of future jobs and careers that, ne that haven't been invented yet. Mm. You know, and I think that's a really positive thing that, you know, also creativity is going to be commodity that is rare and yes and, you know and is Big highly time. sought after right because we have 
now we have AI. I mean, we weren't even talking about that the last time you and I talked about it. that's how fast things are going. So you're right. Like when you think about so those encyclopedia like Britannicas or whatever it is, the brand that you had, like they did the amount of information that's changing every single day is staggering. And to keep mm-hmm. up to all of that is uh, is a bit is a bit overwhelming for parents, never mind everybody else, right? Yeah, so. totally. I mean, I never thought I'd be the parent that'd be like, Oh, I, I didn't have that when you were, when I was a child, like, uh, but I am that parent now. And my, you know, my son, even though I'm not a baby boomer, my son calls me, oh, you're a boomer. And I'm like, well, what's a boomer to you? And he's like, oh, just an old person. I'm like, I'm 43. Okay. Exactly <laughs> old. <laughs> and I feel like I did when I was 17. So like, I don't know. Exactly. Who's seeing? Yeah, I know. I know. I'm the same way. I feel like the same person inside. I just am getting older on the outside. But exactly. I, I do too. It's bizarre. I still feel like I'm in my 20s and yeah. um, that I still I still look in my 20s. <laughs> Great. I wouldn't have said 43. I would have said 33. So there. Yes. <laughs> Don't guess you. my age. Um, <laughs> you mentioned EMF. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And then I want to kind of go into strategies to strike a balance. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Look, you know, when we talked about inflammation and that technology can sometimes exacerbate that inflammation, Mm -hmm. uh, EMF exposure can come from uh, technology as well. And so that, that in itself is exacerbating uh, inflammation. And a lot of people don't know what it is, but, you know, it's basically EMF stands for electromagnetic fields. Um, And some of the information may seem a little bit shocking or extreme, um, but I think awareness, as I said, for everything is the key uh, and reducing the exposure to EMF is just, even if we just do it in a small amount, it will help our kiddos. It will help reduce ADHD symptoms. It will help uh, reduce inflammation in anyone's body that causes disease. But um, it's it's estimated about 3 to 8% of populations in developed countries um, experience serious electrohypersensitivity symptoms, um, while 35% actually experience mild symptoms. And uh, it also uh, is uh, one of the lead, um, so what, there's a, a doctor out of Switzerland that believes that electromagnetic loads lead to cancer, concentration problems, ADHD, migraines, insomnia, Parkinson's, and even back pain. And look, for me, it's all about the bucket. You know, bring it back to the bucket. I don't think that is the only thing that causes that. Uh, you know, we are exposed to it on a daily basis, but it's really about the load that we put put on the bucket. Uh, some people actually find, and I don't know if you've heard of this, but I know many people that have 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 had this problem. Just walking into a coffee shop that is Wi-Fi enabled mm. can trigger symptoms like a headache or fatigue or nausea or burning or itchy skin. And so you think about that; that's extreme. You know, that's going to be three to eight percent of the population. But if thirty five percent of us are experiencing mild things that we probably just don't put to EMS, then that's something to sort of pay attention to Mm. now um it really uh there was uh, this one really got me i think um 
On May 21st, 2011, there was um, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is the IARC. It's a committee of 27 scientists from 14 different uh, countries across the world, and they work on behalf of the World Health Organization. So, you know, it's a legit organization. It's not some hoo-ha out there. Um, But they concluded that exposure to cell phone radiation is a possible carcinogen um, and and classified it to the 2B category, which is the same category as pesticides, lead, gasoline, burning coal, and dry cleaning chemicals, just to name a few. So a possible carcinogen means it can cause cancer. Mm. So, uh, and there was, there was, there was a, uh, actually a case that went before the judge, uh, there was a cluster of cancer cases among um, children at an elementary school, uh, elementary school in California. Um, and basically uh, um, it was talking about the cell phone tower that was right n- near it. In 2006, a kid age 10, his name was Kyle. He was diagnosed with kidney cancer. Five months later, his classmate uh, was diagnosed with brain cancer that year, two more children at the school received cancer diagnoses. Three teachers have been diagnosed with various forms of cancer since that started, um, mm. along with two preschool age kids that live near the school and a former student was diagnosed with brain cancer at the age of 22. So that was like this cluster of cancer cases right next to um, uh, th- that electromagnetic tower, that telephone, that cell phone tower. And the parents of um, two of the kids, uh, they they had tests um, to, to try and see the level of radiation that was coming from that, that tower. So it's a little bit complicated. Um, but they actually ended up winning the case um, mm-hmm. against that, um, the, the government on that area. So it's, it is one of those things that um, you want to look into. It is classified as that, that possible carcinogen. And you think, okay, well, what's cancer? Cancer comes from inflammation. Yeah. Okay. So we want to, and so when we're, when we're, using so much technology, you know, EMFs uh, come from electro electric fields, okay, and um, they come from wireless communications. So wireless power meters, wireless internet, um, those towers that we're talking about. It also comes from magnetic fields, okay, and um, 5G. If you think about the cell phone, unlike 4G technology, which is currently still in use, uh, 5G relies on 90-foot cell towers with about a dozen uh, with about a dozen antenna ports on each. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and so that that 5G is actually contributing to more of this EMF exposure. So it's it's not about we you know there's no point in going into too much detail about it. For me, it's about being aware of like okay, it can cause cancer, it can cause inflammation in our body, but what can we do to reduce that exposure? And it's like anything; it's going to increase uh, that that inflammation or that load on the bucket. And the laptops are a big part of that. You know, if you're using a laptop, putting it on your lap, actual lap, <laughs> is probably not as safe. So if you are using it, just put on. It on a pillow or put it on a desk where it's not touching your skin. Mm. Um, uh, watch out for Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi, you know, connect your desktop to uh, one of those those 
wired cables. Um, make sure you turn your Wi-Fi off at night when you're sleeping because, again, as I said, renewing your cells, restoring the body, detoxing, all of that stuff happens when you're asleep. So simple mm-hmm. thing of turning off the Wi-Fi router at nighttime uh, will definitely, definitely help with that. Um Again, limiting electricity because that does come from um, EMF exposure. So turning off that electricity near your bed. I I know in the past I used to have these power boards that were like stacked with so many different things all plugged in right underneath my bed. Right by your head probably, right? Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, And, you know, kids with ADHD, you don't want things that are uh, buzzing their brain while they're sleeping, while they're healing, while they're renewing. So uh, you can actually buy these EMF detectors that can actually determine the level of EMFs at any given point in your house. And sometimes that's just as easy to go, okay, well, I can see there's a huge load near my bed. Let's rectify that. Just take all these little steps. It's not about going, oh my gosh, EMFs cause cancer. I've got to I've got to live in the in the woods and and not do anything, but it's just being aware. And so really reducing technology also reduces exposure to EMFs, which reduces inflammation, which reduces ADHD symptoms. So just mm-hmm. little one, two strategies here every now and again, and you'll turn around and you start reducing that toxic load on the body. Mm. And I think, you know, what you're saying is, is just controlling what you can control, right? Controlling what you can control uh, and, and being a bit intentional about, you know, what, what, what your actions are to limit it. Uh, Because at at the end of the day, it's for everybody's overall health. And look, if your child is, has got severe ADHD symptoms, I guarantee you, (laughs) you, you want that to stop. And uh, so if that means your charger is uh, in the kitchen instead of beside your, your head in bed, uh, then that's, that's definitely. And that's an easy change. I'm wearing a a watch that is a Wi-Fi. Yeah. You, you know, my phone is always beside me. I've got three screens in front of me right now. You know, I've got, right. So I'm, there's lots I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and so, yeah, turning off Wi-Fi, limiting electricity. I was going to ask you if uh, if electromagnetic fields, EMF, is electric, um, you know, how is that different from electricity versus? It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's part of it as well. Like um, uh, anything that has voltage, basically okay. anything electric, like a lamp and electrical wiring, outlets, extension cords, um have an EMF, they'll all have ranging differences. And that's why sometimes it's actually even good to get an EMF meter and you can buy them pretty cheaply. And so uh, just making sure that either where you spend the majority of your day or where you're sleeping is reduced is, is the most important. We're not going to be able to avoid it uh, completely. You know, we talked about toxins in the past and diet. It's really, really important, but you know, everything is really about reducing that, that load on that bucket, uh, and just being a little bit proactive about that. Well, this is great. And, um, you know, thank you for explaining it and, and for giving us some, you know, statistics as well as really some strategies, because I think that's really what we're all looking for. And I want to point out that you have, in addition to what we talked about before, what we talked about today, 
is five natural supplements for ADHD in kids. And so um, you have a guide that you can download from the parent toolbox mm-hmm. and you talk about things like fish oils and probiotics and, you know, magnesium, just to name a few. And, um, and, and what's, what I really love about you, I'm always wary to be honest about buying vitamins because my dad used to be in the vitamin business. You'd always say that, you know, the quality is hit and miss with what oh, you get at the store. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so you give, I mean, you give brand names and, and, and I know you enough to know that you don't mess around with this stuff. Uh, uh, so no. what you recommend is, is good quality pharmaceutical 100%. grade. Yes. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. So yeah. I will say that supplements are not created equal never buy a supplement from Costco. Sorry, Costco, you are definitely not my sponsor. And you, but um, uh, don't buy them from Target. Don't buy them from, do not buy supplements from the, from the drugstore. Most of them are filled with fillers. Uh, most of them will have um, gums in them, things that aren't good quality. The reason why they can keep them cheaper is because they use, unfortunately, poor quality ingredients. I do not recommend anything that is bad quality. And uh, it's really important because, uh, you know, there's so many parents these days, especially with kids with ADHD that are looking for that natural supplement that's going to be the be all and end all. I'll tell you straight up, there's not one supplement that's going to get rid of ADHD symptoms. It is about reducing that load and restoring the body and supplements can help restore the body. So if you're reducing the load at the same time as restoring the body, they can definitely be beneficial. But also make sure you get them from quality suppliers because do not buy them on Amazon. What happens is you've got all these people that buy these supplements from other companies. They mark up the cost. They put them on Amazon. They store them in areas that aren't meant to store supplements. Like Mm -hmm. supplements are meant to be stored in temperature controlled areas. And some of them, you know, are stored in just a warehouse in Florida where it's super hot. You don't know what you're getting. Uh, You also don't know if it's near the uh, expiration date, okay? And you don't know if they're real. I've had clients Mm. that have bought some stuff from Amazon Mm. uh, when they bought it from another store originally and they look completely different and they went to the actually contacted the company and the company said it's obviously counterfeit because the look of them haven't changed. Yeah, I, I do know that there's a lot of products on Amazon that are counterfeit. And again, this yes. is, yeah, you know, yeah, not my sponsor either. And, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of impossible to tell the difference, to be honest. Mm, with it you, is, right? it I is, mean, unless you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that's, that's a really good point. So when you say don't buy from Costco or the drugstore, so, and, and maybe you, you have brand names, but or maybe you don't, I don't know, but like, where would you buy them from then? Yeah, look, um, uh, I think in the guide, uh, I do actually list out where you can get them from, but you want to make sure that you're getting them from either direct from the manufacturer. Uh, a lot of the time you can just go on their websites and, and look at it. Uh, we have our own supplement store for supplements that we usually recommend, but at the same time, um, there's uh, when you work with a practitioner, there are specialist supplement dispensaries that the practitioner practitioner will usually enroll you in when uh, they're suggesting supplements so you know they're stored correctly so you know they're real and you know their quality and so just going off and buying them unfortunately from these other places is not that great but the best case is if you find a good quality supplement and you want to know it's real just go direct to the manufacturer 
Mm, okay. Okay. Well, that that's fantastic. And uh, as we fight ADHD, as we, I don't know if fight is the right word, as we cope with, as we help to heal our kids with it. Yes. Uh, you know, the, I love that there's more than one strategy, you know, there is. Uh, yep. and that's, that's really hopeful. Yeah. And, you know, you have lived this. And I think that's the difference between you and a lot of other people is you have lived the serious dysfunction mm -hmm. that can come with ADHD with your own child. I have two, and it, it, it is no joke. And not only is ADHD difficult, it often comes with a friend. It yes. often comes with a, a comorbidity, which could be Tourette's. It could be OCD. It could be oppositional defiance. It could be all mm -hmm. sorts of different things. And those just add to how hard it is. And so you're, it's already hard it may be hard and I'm using, you know, air quotes. It might be hard to, to change some of your diet. It might be hard to change and add in some supplements for your child and maybe even for yourself too, please to, to limit screen time to, um, you know, to get your kids outside doing things and, and that sort of thing, but it's already hard. It's just a yeah. different kind of hard. So exactly. Um, yeah, I really appreciate everything that you have to offer. And uh, ADHD Thrive Institute is your website. And um, you have just a wealth of information. You also do uh, you have resources for parents. They can book yes. a call with you. They can take on, um, counseling and support from you as well. Uh, is there anything you want to say about that? I'd, I'd love for you to talk about yeah. what you do. Yeah, no, look, um, I, at the end of the day, uh, I just want to see kids with ADHD thrive at home, at school and in life. And, uh, it does not have to be that hard. Okay. I know how hard it can be. I yeah. have lived it day in and day out. Um, but when I was able to actually reduce my son's ADHD symptoms, now that he's not on any medication, hasn't been for years and he's thriving, it's not as hard anymore. It's not mm. hard anymore. He's a teenager. And so that brings its own challenges, but it's yeah. normal challenges. It's not terrible ADHD challenges. And so there is hope out there. And, but, you know, as you said, Robin, like we provide all these strategies, there are different ways that you can do it. It may seem hard. It may seem overwhelming, but all I say is Rome wasn't built in a day mm -hmm. and you don't need to make all of these changes at once. It's just about that learning, that awareness uh, in knowing that there is hope. You don't have to suffer. You know, you, you're, you don't have to walk on eggshells uh, or be on that emotional roller coaster. Uh, and so uh, for me, I may not be able to help everybody, but just getting the message out there that there is hope is is my most important message. And mm. uh, I think like for myself, that if someone does decide to work with me, we help them reduce ADHD symptoms naturally. Really, that's it. Everything that we're talking about today in the last podcast episode, plus, you know, functional lab testing and things like that, that's what we do. Um, but I know that that's not for everyone. Mm. Uh, and, you know, but your kids can thrive and it's just making those small little changes to make it easy, to make it doable. And then one day you turn around and you're like, oh, this is my normal life now. I don't even think about it. It's not hard anymore. And yeah. so you might go through short-term pain, but definitely for that long-term gain. We can get used to anything. You know, mm, we're totally. moms. We can get used to anything. We got this. You got yes. this if you're listening. Yes. You can do this. And I just so appreciate the hope.
I really appreciate the hope. And you know what, when, where there is hope, there is excitement for the future, because if there isn't hope, then you're dreading the future. You're worried about the future. You're scared about the future and you parent out of fear instead of Mm -hmm. out of being empowered. So, um, I, that's what I'm all about, you know? Uh, so thank you so much for being here. Um, Donna, I just, uh, I really appreciate you. I love talking to you and this was just as as exciting and interesting of a, as a converse, of a conversation as our last one was. So don't forget to get her guides that are in the, in the parent toolbox. We have uh, easy breakfast uh, solutions for ADHD kids. That's from our previous episode. And then the five natural supp- supplements for kids with ADHD is our other one. So thank you so much again for being here. It's ADHD Thrive Institute. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Robin. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon, and if you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would share it with someone who you think needs to hear this message too. And please don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. And if you like my content and want more, please visit my site, parentingforconnection.com, where you can find out more about my coaching, my courses, and all things parenting. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace, connection, and joy.